Well, I want to say uh, thanks again for those who were part of the panel, the discussion group that we had last weekend. Uh, basically, the video that we showed, the people that you saw. Um, I cannot tell you how many people told us how powerful those stories were. Amen. What a powerful testimony that really spoke to so many hearts. It is amazing how God can use us if we will just make ourselves available. Amen? We do not have to be able. We just need to make ourselves available. And many times that is a difference in whether God is able to do something through our lives, whether we are willing to show up. And I just thank the Lord for those who did that because God used your testimonies in powerful ways, at least that I know of, and probably many, many lives that uh, maybe we won't know in eternity. But as I shared with you last week, that message was really a transition to the second part of this series. Because what we want to do in the last half of this message series called It's Complicated is we want to focus on some of those specific things in our lives that are very, very difficult. That we would say really make our lives complicated. And today is a tough one for sure. We're going to talk about the topic of abuse. What a terrible issue. What a serious issue, but one that God wants to help us with. And i got to be honest with you, being a pastor and being involved with so many people's lives over the year, instead of thinking of abuse as an anomaly, instead of thinking of it as something rare, I've got to sadly tell you that if you have not experienced some sort of abuse in your life, you are a very, very fortunate person. In dealing with lots, hundreds, if not thousands of people over the years, many, many people, part of their story, somewhere along the lines, is abuse. Very sadly, probably in this room right now, there are many people who have experienced some sort of abuse. And I'm not saying that in any sort of stretch of the word. I'm saying what, what, if you heard their story, you would say, that is terrible. That happened to you? Dear Lord, God bless you. I'm so sorry. You would not believe some of the stories of people who are in this room. And my first reaction to that realization today is to say, God bless you, dear friend. God bless you. I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. It was not okay. It is not all right. It should have not happened ever. But since it has and since it does, we know that God wants to help us. Amen? And that's what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to open up the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. And the Bible gives us hope. It gives us help. It gives us healing for everything that we will ever face in our lives as we walk on this planet. And so we're going to talk today. We're going to look at God's Word together and talk about this topic of abuse. And first of all, I want us to think about that. First of all, what does God say about abuse? What does the Bible say about the topic of abuse? Well, our world is is so messed up and we have so many terrible experiences that we have to go through that many times when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about our lives we talk about the negative aspects first in other words abuse is terrible and it is 
But before we go diving into that aspect, the depth of that in terms of abusive behavior, I want us to step back for just a second. And I want us to look at a bigger picture of God's perspective. God, listen to me, God does not just say to us, I am against abuse. God does not just say to us, y'all don't hurt each other. God does not just say that. Don't hurt each other. That's not what he says. No, his message is bigger than that even. His message is more positive and proactive than that. So write this down first of all. God lifts up goodness and calls us to help one another intentionally and actively. And what I'm saying is, in God's way of doing things, the standard, the point is not just don't hurt each other, don't be harmful. No, it is much higher than that. We're going to talk about harm. We're going to talk about hurt. But that is not, that is not the limit of what God says to us. God says that He wants us to help one another. He wants us to be kind to one another, to be gracious to one another, to be gentle, to do good things. That is His message all across His Word. I want to give you a couple of verses to look at. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. If you read the Bible, all throughout His Word, God gives these messages. But I'm going to give you just a couple. First Peter 3, verse 8. Peter says, To sum up all of you, be harmonious sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. God doesn't just say, don't be mean to each other. He does. We're going to see. He does say, don't be mean to each other. Don't be abusive. Don't hurt. Don't be harsh towards one another. But God says, be good to one another. Be kind to one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 is another passage. It says, therefore, and by the way, this verse comes after he emphasizes that Jesus died for us so that we could have life. Amen. Can I get amen? He died. Amen. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He has life. He offers life to us. So right after saying Jesus died so that you might have life, he says, therefore, that makes it strong, doesn't it? Jesus died for you so that you can have life. Therefore, there's some implications of that. Therefore, encourage one another. Comfort, that word can be translated, comfort one another and build up one another. The Bible doesn't just say, do not tear down one another. The Bible does say that, we're going to see that. But the Bible actually raises the standard. The standard that that what God is shooting for in our lives is not just that we don't tear down one another, but that we build up one another. I could give you many, many more verses that emphasize that throughout God's Word. God calls us to actively and intentionally seek ways to build up other people. And ultimately, the purpose of that is so that we can point them to Him. Amen? I want it so work in a kind way in your life that you say, you're different. What is it about you? What do you have? What, what, what's your deal? And that I can say it's because God has changed my life. If there's anything good coming out of my life towards you, I'm going to give God the credit because I'm not very nice. I struggle and I get off the rails many times. If you've seen anything good, it's because God, and I would highly encourage you to give your life to Him as well. Amen? That's what God wants us to do through our lives. So let's don't lower our expectations as we're talking about something very terrible and serious. Now, taking it a step forward in the direction of what we're going to talk about this weekend. God warns against harshness in general. Some people, 
<laughs> Some people are not abusive, but they are abrasive. Amen? We can be hard to get along with. We can be hard to talk to. We can be kind of rough or kind of raw or argumentative or unkind. In other words, sometimes we can be not very enjoyable for other people to want to be around. Friends, listen to me. Some of us kind of excuse this behavior with things like, well, well, I'm just an upfront person. Or, well, you always know where you stand with me. Or I just tell it like it is. And if you don't like that, well, dot, dot, dot. I'm being kind, not finishing it, is what they would say to you. Or that's just my personality. Or that's just my way of doing things. Friends, listen, that might be your leaning. There might be some parts of your personality that, that are more direct. And there's nothing wrong with, with being a truth teller. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with being kind of a clear person. That can be helpful. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that, that might be more their leaning, their background. Maybe that's what you saw growing up. You tend to be a little bit more raw or whatever it is. But God's Word warns us against that. In fact, I want to give you a passage in Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh... Now don't miss that before we get... That we're about to read a list. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now you've, you've maybe... If you've been here before, you've heard me talk about... That word flesh is a Bible word for our sin nature. The, the works of our sin nature... Uh, but here's what it is. If we're not following God, here's what comes out of us. Okay? Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. There's many words that are mentioned here, but notice that there are quite a few that relate to what we're talking about. Idolatry, sorcery, here we go, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, outbursts of rage, disputes, dissensions, factions, division, Envy, wanting what other people have, fighting for what other people have, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is God's people don't act like that. Now, we do sometimes, amen? We sin, we make mistakes, we blow it. Sometimes my sin nature goes before God, what God is doing in me. But the Bible says if we live like that, if we practice those things, we need to ask some serious questions about really where we are with God and whether we really have a relationship with Him. The Bible says that God warns us about harshness, about being argumentative. If you are a harsh person, if you are argumentative, if you stir up trouble, if you cause problems, if you... Spread rumors about other people. If you like kind of stirring things up between people, you you need to ask yourself some serious questions about, God, why is that? You need to ask the Lord to help you with that. Because God warns us about not being people like that. Now let's take it the next step. The Bible says that God absolutely condemns abuse of any kind. I want to read... Several passages that make that very clear. Psalm chapter 11, verse 5. The Bible says, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. And the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Wow. Is that shocking to you? Wow. For 
we many times are emphasizing that God is a God of what? Love. That God is a God of kindness. That God reaches out to us. That God is gracious. That God is merciful. That God is patient. And so all kinds of good things are coming from God. For God to express in His Word that there is a point that He would get to of hating someone has to be really, really bad. Now time out for just a minute. Even that person, if they turn to God, has hope. Amen? Remember what we said? Isaiah 59? There is no place. The arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. Even a violent person, even an abusive person, God can work in their life and bring them to a point of uh, healing and, and restoration. And, and God can turn a lot of things around. But it's, it's interesting that while a person is still in a state of severely mistreating other people, that God would make a statement that strong. That is very serious. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4. through 4. I believe we may have read this passage a few weeks ago because it's a list of things that the Bible says at the end of history, as things get worse and worse before Jesus comes back, uh, here's some of the bad things that are going to happen. So realize this, in the last days, difficult times are going to come. It's going to be hard. It says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Some of your translations translate that abusive. At the end of history, people are going to become more and more abusive of other people. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. That means they can't come to agreement there again is that harsh, get along to, hard to get along with, um, malicious gossip through false accusers, without self-control, brutal. That word can be translated fierce. People are going to become more savage. People are going to become more, uh, the word actually can mean untamed, like wild animals. Brutal. Just malicious towards one another. Haters of good, treacherous. That means betraying other people. Reckless, conceited, love. So there's a whole list of things there that the Bible says. So in a passage it says, here's how bad the end of history is going to get. And we see a lot of harshness, even abusiveness, brutality. The Bible says that is not good. All of that in that list is not good. And abusiveness is in that category of things that God takes very seriously and that God is going to judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In that passage, it says this, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. Wow. Wow. For the temple of God is holy and this is what you are. Now, this is primarily talking about how we treat our own bodies. Okay? That's primarily what's being said. But the principle applies to how anyone treats any body. If you mistreat the temple of God, or at least what's supposed to be the temple of God, this body, this building, if you know your Bible, this building is not the temple of God. This is a this is a physical facility that gives us a resource. Thank the Lord tonight. Amen. Thank the Lord. In this cold weather, it'd be cold to be out, you know, like they do in Kenya, getting under a tree and, you know, having a worship service again. Like they do sometimes in California. We can't do that here. Amen. It's nice to have this facility, but this is not the temple of God. This is what 
God made for His, for His Spirit to dwell in. And we need to be very thoughtful how we use this temple that God wants to dwell in and work out of. The Bible says how we treat this, God does not take lightly. And that certainly applies to how we treat someone else's temple for God. This type of abuse includes verbal abuse. Write that down. Somewhere along the path, people go from being abrasive to something very different, abusive. We go from being, some people are a little bit gruff, especially some of y'all before you get your coffee, okay? Some some of us are a little bit gruff. This is not talking about that. This is not talking about maybe sometimes being a little bit, bit difficult. This is talking about verbal abuse is consistently, continually berating and belittling other people and causing harm with your words. If you are regularly hurting other people by what you're saying to them or about them, you need to stop that today. You don't need to pray about that. You don't need to work on that. You need, the Bible says, to repent of that. I am no longer, by God's grace, from this point forward, I'm putting a flag in the ground that God is going to teach me how to act differently. By faith, I'm leaving here different this moment. Amen? It also includes physical abuse. I am sad to say that there is likely someone in this room right now who is clearly abusing someone else right now. Whether that's through physical force or whether it involves even sexual activity. And if that is the case, I cannot say it strong enough. God Almighty is using me as His servant to give you a very clear message. Stop it right now. You may not have learned some good coping mechanisms as you were growing up. You may feel like your world is out of control. You might even have some very difficult things going on. You might have even some very difficult people in your life. But you and I have no right to physically impose ourselves on another person. If we are doing that, we need to stop right now. You might be getting away with it right now, but you will not. You will not get away with it forever. The Bible says in Numbers 32, verse 23, you can be sure that your sin will find you out. God takes it very seriously. So God's Word is very strong, isn't it? It is very clear about this, about abuse. And with that in mind, let's think about this. So then what does God do about that? That's what God says about it. What does God do about it when people mistreat other people this strongly? Unless I'm going to admit from the beginning here that I do not understand or like everything that goes on in this world. And there's some very hard questions related to people mistreating other people that I don't have all the answers for. So I'm not going to try to explain what I cannot understand or maybe can, can never understand in this life. But I am going to share with you to the best of my ability truth from God's Word related to this. The Bible makes it very clear that God is a defender of the defenseless and the innocent. Friend, listen, regardless what the enemy tries to tell you, God does care about you. You do matter. You are worth it. 
and God will help you. The Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 24, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him, from that person. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. And implied in that is God heard and God did what? God acted. Amen. God sees, God knows. When you call upon the Lord, God promises to help you. Psalm 140, verse 12 says this. I know, say that, I know, say that. I know that the Lord will, the Lord what? Will maintain the cause of the afflicted and He will maintain justice for the poor. There are so many verses in the Bible that make it clear that God has a heart for those who are being mistreated, who are being misrepresented, who are being pushed down, who are innocent, who are helpless, who who are defenseless, who are fatherless, who are orphaned, whatever category, God has a special heart for people in that situation. And then God calls His people to defend those people. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 9. This is a mom, if you've ever read Proverbs 31, teaching her son, a king, how to act. And one of the things this mom said is, Son, open your mouth. Judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. This mom was led by God to say to her son, when you have influence, when you have opportunity to help those who are in trouble, you as the king should help those who are in trouble. God calls His people to help those who who are in difficulty. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3 says, Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. By the way, that's a whole other thing, but, but let's stop and pause. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. Let that sink in just a moment. And remember those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body. It's saying you live in the same world. That could be happening to you. You can understand how they feel because you still live in this world. You can still feel that pain that they feel. So remember those people. There are so many verses in the Bible that tell us as God's people to help those who can't help themselves. It could be a whole message. Third thing is God holds His abusers accountable. God holds abusers accountable. Now we spend a lot of time, as I just shared, talking about grace And mercy and forgiveness and grace and mercy and forgiveness is offered to all who will truly recognize their sin before God and turn to God. But listen, friend, don't let God's meekness give you the impression of weakness. Meekness in the Bible is like a horse that has been trained. It is strength under control. God is meek. But God is not weak. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says this. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That is strong, strong language. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction, those who afflict you. And then it goes on to talk about Jesus returning 
one day and setting all these things straight. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. Friend, listen, the Bible says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Thank God that He is willing to forgive. Amen? Because I deserve to fall into the hands of the living God. I deserve to be judged. I've done many things wrong. Every person in this room, we deserve, in some way or another, we, for some reason or another, we deserve to be separated from God forever. And God is willing to forgive. And God offers that forgiveness. And you hear that all the time. And that message is all throughout His Word. But don't, don't let that mislead you. That does not mean that God is winking at sin. And God says that He takes this very, very seriously. He holds abusers accountable. The next thing is God has put protections in place for those who face abuse. First of all, family and friends. God has given us support in our lives. Amen? God has given us other people. You know what the enemy likes to do? And many times people who are being uh, influenced heavily by the enemy, they they will act like this as well. The enemy likes to isolate people. The enemy likes to get people by themselves. God has given us family and friends to be around us to help us. So if you are in an abusive situation, you need to appeal to your family and to your friends. Someone might say, my family is not helping. My family is not supportive. Even my family is part of the problem. Then you need to find others to help you. And God has provided that. Secondly, God's given us His family. The Lord knows that this world is broken. The Lord knows that sometimes our family of origin, our biological family is not providing the support. Our friends are not providing the support that He created them to be for us. So He ensured that we would all have a family, a forever family. Amen? You can know without a doubt you have a family. If you don't have one, then we'll be yours. Amen? If you'll have us, we'll be yours. You should never wonder. You should never worry. You should never think I'm alone. That is not true. What do we say? The, the Bible says we should, we should live our lives according to truth, right? Is it true that you're alone? Is that true? No, that's not true. Because God's given you a family. And you need to look to your church family for help. To your pastors, to other spiritual leaders, to friends, to church family, to your growth group. Listen, church family, people should be able to look to God's people for support in their time of need. Amen? We have conditioned ourselves in this country to look to the government. There is a role we're going to see for the government. But really, God's people should be doing a lot of these things. And we're trying to learn. Amen, church family? We're trying to get better through our care net ministry, through our growth groups, through our discipleship. We're trying to get better and stronger at helping one another. Amen? Even in very difficult ways. The third thing is legal authorities. God has given Legal authorities for our protection. Romans 13, verse 1. Every person is to be in subject in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. What it's saying is God has established government for a purpose. God has given legal authorities to, so that someone could physically stop an abuser. There's authority in this world to physically stop an abuser, whether that's through a warning whether that's through a restraining order, whether that's through arrest or conviction, a jail time, God has given legal governmental authorities so that someone who is tearing up other people's lives can be told you cannot do that. You must stop. And they can be forced to stop by those authorities. 
The last thing is this. Sometimes God provides a release from a situation. Our general approach as followers of Christ, our general approach is, I never want to give up on anybody. Amen? Unconditional love, unconditional commitment, figure it out, work it out. But listen to me, sometimes the Bible says that we have to separate from someone because of the bad decisions they're making. Because we're not in a position to help them. I'm not the Savior. I want to be available to to be used by God in as many people's lives as I can. But some people, there are some situations, the Bible says, I'm not in a position to help them and I've got to release them. I've got to separate from them so God can work on them. Listen, this is not only including so-called believers. We might even say especially when the person is a so-called follower of Jesus but not acting like it. Friends, there are, write down 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. But there are actually quite a few passages that talk about this. Now, there's a lot more that goes into that, but certainly if you are in an abusive situation, you should not feel bad at all about getting out of that situation and letting God work through others to get that person on the right track. And by the way, for those abusers who hide behind God and do gross wrong to other people. The harshest words in the Bible are reserved for people who do these kind of things. Let me give you an example. An abusive spouse who manipulates their spouse to take it because God hates divorce. Can I just tell you? Write down Isaiah 58 verse 4. It talks about looking religious so that you can hurt other people. Can I tell you, that seems to be about the worst thing that you can do. So do not do that. And if you're a victim, do not believe that. That is not from God. Now with all of that, I want to wrap up today by thinking about some specific situations. We're giving you some principles. Here's what the Bible, very clearly, very strongly, the Bible says there should be no stutter, there should be no stammer, there should be no hesitation This is absolutely wrong. It is absolutely unacceptable. That should not be happening. And God takes it very seriously. And He gives a lot of remedy and relief. And even judgment for that. But let's talk about some specific situations that we find in our world. First of all, write down when a spouse abuses. If it is verbal, according to the situation... It might be necessary for you to have to call authorities and then follow these principles. But I want to give you some principles that the Bible gives us. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. That's one step. Step two. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. That's the second step. Third step, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, to the larger body. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, the larger body, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So this is the general steps that the Bible seems to give with dealing with trouble in our lives. Okay, And we've got to think about it in terms of what we're talking about here. If possible, when we have trouble with someone else, we want to try to talk with them directly. If possible. Sometimes that's not possible. 
The next step is to bring in other people, if possible. Sometimes that's not possible. It's so serious. We kind of have to kind of have to move forward quicker. Sometimes, as a result of that, separation might become necessary to show that person the seriousness of what they're doing. And we need to be thoughtful about that. But sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes the final result could be complete separation. Even in marriage, divorce. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 12 through 15. I'll read verse 15. You can go back and read verses 12 through 14. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. The Bible says if your spouse departs and won't stay with you, you can't make them. That's just logical, isn't it? If somebody will not work with you, you can't make them. Again, we need to be very careful not to rush to this. We as Christians are reconciler people. Amen? We're not dividers. We're not breaker-uppers. I mean, I'm making up words. But you understand what I'm saying, right? We're, we're reconcilers. We only reluctantly get... Listen, we only reluctantly get to that point because of decisions that someone else is making. Based upon your decisions, I'm reluctantly having to make some decisions to pull away from you. I don't want to do that. I wish that didn't have to happen. I want to try to work things out. But based upon your decisions, I'm being forced to make some decisions myself. Okay? If it's physical, you need to go to a safe place. You need to call the authorities for your own safety, for the safety of any others that might be involved. And then rely upon those sources of support that we talked about. There's a lot more that goes into it. That process that we talked about. And then, again, the result could be in marriage, at some point in that relationship, if this person is especially physically abusive, there might be not, not only immediately I'm away from you, but maybe I can never be back together with you. In fact, in the case of physical abuse, it's going more that direction. What about when a parent or guardian abuses? What a difficult situation for a child. Amen? Don't we sometimes seem to have conflicting values? As a child, you've heard us talk about we want to honor our parents. We want to show them respect as much as we can. But in certain situations, we have to... Okay, parents are authorities in our life. But sometimes we may have to appeal to other authorities because we don't have the power to take care of ourselves. And God, the Bible says, has put authority in place to protect you and to take care of you. So again, this is nothing to take lightly. We're not encouraging kids every time your parents ground you, you know, call the authorities, you know. But in all seriousness, if there is abuse... God has given a relief. He's given other authorities. If it's verbal, again, maybe, maybe that process of Matthew 18, trying to talk to them if you can, bringing other people if you can, appealing to those authorities at some point. If it's physical, just like we said, go to a safe place, appeal to those authorities. And then maybe God can work that process out. What's the name of the series? It is, isn't it? And I'm not trying to oversimplify. I'm just trying to give you some principles to think about. And certainly, if anyone wanted to talk about those things more, we would be glad to talk with you. It is very, very hard. 
if you're in the place where a spouse or a parent is abusing you. But friend, listen, it is not your fault. No matter what that person says to you, it is not your fault. You do not deserve it. That is not true. God does not say that. God does not condone that. God is not okay with that. And God wants to provide you relief and help and rescue. Amen, church family? May I just say that we live in a messed up world where we even have to say, seriously? Seriously? There's somebody in this room right now who's hurting somebody else with their words or with their hands. But the reality is that's the world we live in. And God help us. Amen. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. If you are someone who is being abused, I want to encourage you to look to the Lord right now. And I don't say that as a uh, an abstract, you know, just pray about it. No, we've seen already in God's Word that God gives some real steps. God gives some real principles about ways that He wants to help you. If you're not sure about that, we will help you. But I want to encourage you to trust the Lord to take care of you and to deliver you out of that immediately. To help you with that, to find healing, to find hope. I know it's complicated. I don't know all the answers for every situation. And if you are a person who is taking advantage of someone else, just as real as if you were standing in front of God Himself one day, because you will. And you are right now. God says, I know what you're doing. going to stop you can either cooperate with me find my help and my hope and my forgiveness and my healing or I will take care of it and it will not be good for you friend that's your choice God is offering you right now would you deal with it today Maybe for you, this message was not quite that severe. But as you think about it, I can be a little bit harsh. I'm nowhere near abusive, but I can be a little bit hard to talk to. I can be a little bit prickly and abrasive. Would you ask the Lord to help you with that? God, I don't want to just not be abusive. I want to be encouraging. I want to be helpful. I want to build, not tear down. I want to bring hope, not questions and hurt. Would you ask God to soften your tongue? Would you ask God to help you to be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to get angry? 
Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you say, God, I need your help. This world is so vicious. And I know I fail in many ways. God, I give my life to you tonight. I ask you to come into my life to wash my sins away and be my Savior. Father, we thank you for being so serious about this. Lord, I pray that you'd be working in our lives right now in these next few moments to help us to receive whatever it is we came here for that you wanted for us. In Jesus' name.